You know, forgiveness is such a huge part of our lives. So many of us have gone through some very significant hurt, whether it be through a person or through a situation where we lost everything. And I really believe next week God is going to build your faith, but also set you free and have that unforgiveness and that bitterness completely come out of your life so that you can move forward. And so believe with us, invite your friends and neighbors. Those testimonies are so powerful, but we're not just here to hear about his journey of forgiveness. We're going to use the faith and the power of that story for us to move forward in that power of forgiveness. And so next week's going to be great. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. Amen. So good to have you with us in church today. Can I tell you a joke? Thank you. I was going to do it anyway, but I figured I'd ask your permission. It's funny because it's appropriate. I was at home last night with my kids and my son Gabriel came downstairs and I just felt like it was just the funniest little joke. He said, Dad, I just saw this on Instagram. He said, why did God curse Satan into a serpent with no arms and no legs? And he put his hands out just like this. And I said, why? He said, because when Jesus came, he disarmed and defeated the devil. I was like, yeah, that works. Yeah. If you don't remember anything else I said today, you're welcome. Today I want to talk to you about alive and present. My notes will be in your app. I encourage you to take down some notes. God will start talking to you. And you'll go back and see them later in the week and more and more will kind of come out. But I want to talk to you today that Jesus is alive. Say, Jesus is alive. But it's not just that he's alive up there in heaven somewhere. He's alive and present right here, right now in this sanctuary. But even as you drive home and as you go back in, maybe even to a difficult environment in your house or you go back into a workplace or you go back into some bills you're facing or some trauma that you're walking through. Jesus is alive and present. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read the foundational passage for Resurrection Day just to kind of capture the whole concept, the whole moment. Matthew chapter 28. If you're new to Calvary, you've never heard me minister before. I use a lot of Bible verses and that's intentional because I want your faith and your understanding to be in God's word. And so today you'll be writing those down hopefully and God will speak to you through his word even after the service comes to a conclusion. Matthew 28 verse one. Early on Sunday morning as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and he rolled aside the stone and he sat upon it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I'm intentionally emphasizing these things. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb, 
They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them. Why? Because he's alive. Amen. He met them and he greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Over and over again, you see the angel saying, you'll see him, you'll see him, you'll see him. You see the women meeting him, talking to him personally. And then Jesus saying, tell the disciples, they'll see me, they'll see me, they'll see me. This concept of Jesus physically, this is important, not spiritual resurrection, but physical, in his physical body, physically resurrected from the dead. And they saw him and they touched him. Jesus is alive, not alive in our minds, not alive in just some doctrine or theology. Jesus is alive. The reality of that today is God's heart for you. That it moves from a Bible story and it moves from a theology or something that you just once a year come in and kind of remember to this living, ever-present Savior and God who goes with you and walks with you every single day. He walks with you through the journey of this life all the way into eternity. You are not alone. Today I want to speak to you about Jesus and the resurrection. I want to do both. Jesus and the resurrection. Paul, the apostle, he was in Athens in the book of Acts, chapter 17. And Athens was a city that was known for collecting theologies, known for collecting gods and ways of worship and practices and idols and all kinds of things. And as Paul was there, he was grieved that they were worshiping all these false gods and he knew that these gods were actually demons. They were not gods at all. And so he was grieved because he saw people wanting to connect with God, but they didn't know how. And they were making up gods and they were living however they could create in their own brain how life should be lived. And then he saw this altar to the unknown God and he had an idea. I am going to help them meet the God they've never met because our God is not like all of those other gods. Our God is not a mute and deaf, dumb statue. He's not a piece of wood, he's not a piece of rock. He is living with flesh and bone, amen. With a heart that loves, a mouth that speaks, ears that hear, hands that reach out and respond. And so Paul in Athens, Acts chapter 17, verse 18, and then verse 30, 31, Paul speaking to them. It says, then the, the certain Epicureans and Stoic philosophers encountered Paul. And some said, what does this babbler have to say? So Paul's preaching about the resurrection and about Jesus. The Epicureans are a group of people that live for pleasure. You only live once, YOLO. <laughs> Do what feels good, come on, because tomorrow we're all gonna die. You know, there's a whole generation out there that kind of does that, right? We're, this is still happening today. Do everything you can in this life because once it's done, it's done. That's been going on for a very long time, that belief. And I want you to hear that today because what Paul was about to preach applied and worked and was effective in a culture that was very similar to ours. Though we're 2,000 years later, do you understand nothing's new under the sun? Do you understand that the devil has the same schemes, the same plans, and people aren't that much different either. 
We think we're so sophisticated with our cars and our airplanes and our, our phones and our computers and our, now our AI, which is going to take over the world, evidently. Which, can I just have a moment there? We have seen the movies. Stop giving robots intelligence. Stop it. And don't give them thumbs, because they'll kill us all. But we think we're so intelligent, but we're really the same. It's the same story over and over again. People living for pleasure, people thinking they're smarter than God, people thinking that their education has now grown them to a place where they no longer need God. They've killed God. It's been happening from the beginning. They called Paul a babbler. It went from the Epicureans to the Stoics. The Stoics were people that said life's just hard to be endured, and they were void of emotion, and didn't let themselves be involved in the passions of this life. And so then you have that other group of people that are just so, just trying to get through life and so serious, and they're just kind of persecuting Paul, saying, you know, what you're saying doesn't fit in our culture. We're beyond this. We're past this. We're full of philosophy. We're full of theories. But Paul preached, and I want you to hear this, Paul preached Jesus and the resurrection. That same thing that's going on in this culture, that same message is what we need to preach in this culture, where people are living for pleasure, or they're just saying, life's so hard, life's so difficult, nothing's really going to help us. Yes, there is. And you want to know what's going to help you? Jesus and the power of his resurrection. That is the message for today, just like it was the message 2,000 years ago. And the others in the crowd began to say, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. And so they wanted to hear it because that's what they do. They collect gods. Because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Truly these times of ignorance, Paul said, God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he's appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. To this prosperous, adulterous, intellectual, sinful city, Paul preached Jesus and the resurrection. Why didn't he just preach Jesus? That's why it's important today that we see the resurrection. You know, why is it that he didn't just preach Jesus' teachings or Jesus' kindness and love or even Jesus' miracles? The Bible very clearly in Acts says he preached Jesus and the resurrection because it was the resurrection that set Jesus apart from all these other teachers. All these other ideals, love people, be a good person, even some miracles here and there. What set Jesus apart was the fact that he was not only a teacher, he wasn't just a prophet. He's God and he proved his Godhead and he proved his deity and he proved his victory and his power by resurrecting from the dead. It's not about a dead prophet. It's not about a holy man or new philosophy. It's about an alive and present God and Savior. An alive and present God and Savior. Say alive and say present. God and Savior. Amen. I can take you through multiple scriptures throughout the Bible where the apostles, not just Paul, but all the apostles would preach Jesus and the resurrected. Jesus and the resurrection. They all had that message because it was key to help people understand this was not just a new teaching, just another passing rabbi or philosophy. There is the greatest enemy that was defeated, that plagues all of us, which is death. And this Jesus proved victory over that enemy. 
And if he can defeat death, he can defeat anything else that might come your way. Somebody get excited about that. Amen. Let me take you through just some scriptures in other places to encourage you. This is not just me trying to be excited, but over and over again throughout your Bible, Jesus and the resurrection is preached. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 2 through 8. Paul saying, I pass on to you what was most important. Say most important, which means what I'm about to say is pretty important. And we need to pass this on from generation to generation. And what has also been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures have said. He was seen, and I'm pointing this out to you again with emphasis. He was seen, he was seen, he was seen. He was seen by Peter, and then he was seen by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Paul was pointing that out because if you needed proof, if you wanted eyewitness testimony to what I'm saying, you can still go find those 500 plus people and they will tell you that they have seen him alive. Though some have died, then he was seen by James, later by all the apostles, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him again and again and again. I pass on what is most important. Jesus died on a cross, he was buried, but he rose and he was seen alive, able to be touched, able to be interacted with. You don't just interact with a theology, you don't interact with an imagination, you interact with a living, present Savior. Amen. So why this resurrection? Why is the resurrection so important for all of us? Because on that resurrection hangs so much of the proof of our victory in Christ. That same chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to talk more about why this resurrection is key. But tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Why? Because it was him raising from the dead that proved everything he said was true, proved his victory over death, hell, and the grave and sin, and he came back to tell us about it. And if he's alive and he told us that if we believe in him, we would live, then that's the proof that this wasn't just a story. This wasn't just another philosophy like all the other religions. This is different. This is someone with experience, someone with the authority to tell us this. And Jesus has been raised from the dead. Romans chapter 6, verse 8 through 11. Again, why is the resurrection so important? Verse 8, and since we died with Christ, because when he died on that cross, he took our sin. He took our old self and we died with him on that cross. We know we also will live with him. And we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Please put that in your notes. He's been raised from the dead and he will never die again. There's a lot of confidence in that and I'll get to it in a minute. Say he will never die again. This is a once and for all solution. Amen. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once 
to break the power of sin. But now he lives and he lives for the glory of God. So you should consider yourself dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus. You can celebrate that. Go ahead. I like what Pastor Josue said. If you're gonna clap, let's clap. Amen. Now let's bring it a little bit into our situation. The Apostle John, are you familiar with John the Beloved? He wrote the book of John in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. John was exiled to the island of Patmos. All the disciples were being martyred for their faith, which, by the way, is another convincing proof that they saw Jesus alive. Because here's a group of individuals that were afraid at Jesus' death. They were all scattered and hiding. But after the Lord visited them, they became so courageous. Why? Because they had seen the Lord. And all that fear disappeared in the reality of God is alive and present in their lives. And they couldn't deny what they had seen. They couldn't deny the one that they had felt with their hands and put their hand in the holes and scars in his hands or in his side. They couldn't deny it because they had seen the Lord. And again, this is why I'm bringing it into our situation and with John on the island of Patmos. Notice how all the fear disappeared because of the reality of the alive and present Savior in their life. Didn't matter who was against them. Didn't matter the persecution. It didn't matter the temptation to get sidetracked off mission or to go back to an old lifestyle. All of that stuff disappeared in the reality that Jesus is alive and present. That's why I'm trying to help you receive this today. Sometimes we're trying to find courage, but our courage is found in the living and present Savior in our life. And knowing that you're not alone, and when you go back to work and you face persecution for your faith or for what you believe in God for, you don't worry about the persecution because you've met the Lord who is alive and present. Or you're sitting in a hospital room and you're scared about what's going on, but then you remember, the Lord is with me and he's alive and present, so I don't need to be afraid because God Almighty, God in Christ Jesus, amen, is alive and with me in this hospital bed right now. I have nothing to fear. You're sitting at home at night trying to pay the bills and you're worried about that, but all of a sudden you remember that you are not alone, but you, that Jesus is alive and present in that little office cubicle that you have at home, that little desk, and you're sitting there stressing over those bills and he puts his hand on your shoulder and he encourages you that you are not alone and he has this, he has a plan, he has a way. You're not just believing a dead theology or an ideology, you've put your faith in a risen and present Savior and God. Hallelujah. And so you see John in the island of Patmos here. And you see him being persecuted and cast away because they couldn't kill him. They tried to kill him and he wouldn't die. I think that's pretty awesome, by the way. What are we going to do with this guy? We tried to kill him and he won't die. We'll throw him out on a rock in the middle of the ocean. And you know, you can be out there isolated, questioning, fearful, afraid. John didn't know what was gonna happen next. He's banished. But in that moment where he felt abandoned, maybe by his peers, he knew he wasn't abandoned by the Lord. In that moment of fear, in that moment of like pressure, Jesus showed up. That's what I wanna show you here. 
and he showed up in an alive and present way. Revelation chapter 1, John's on Patmos in the middle of this difficult situation. Verse 17 and 18. When I saw him, and my prayer for you today is that you will turn around and you will see your Lord standing right there. Because he is. He's not far away from you. He's right there with you. He was right there with John on the island of Patmos. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But then he laid his hand, his right hand on me. Can you let yourself not just read this like a Bible verse and see John who's in the middle of this isolation, in the middle of this pressure, turning around and there is his Lord and Savior. And then he sees the Lord put his hand, not some spiritual mist or ghost hand, his hand. He could feel his hand on his shoulder. May you feel the hand of the Lord upon your shoulder today as you're walking through whatever it is you're walking through because it's not a ghost. Amen. It's your Lord, it's your Savior. He's alive and he's present. He said, he laid his right hand upon me and in that moment he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. And then he goes back into the same conversation about the resurrection. He says, I am the living one. Notice he's encouraging John with this. He didn't go back and just say, remember my miracles. Remember when I fed the 5,000. Remember my moral behavior. Remember how I loved, you know, hurting people. He was reminding him of being alive and present. All of those things are great. Hey, we love them. We love the gospels and we love his parables and we love his miracles and we love his heart for people. But we need to remember the resurrection. We need to remember that he's not just another philosopher with good stories and good teachings. In this moment where John was banished and John was isolated, he reminded him that he was alive and present in his life. Amen. I am the living one. And I love it that he, he like goes back and just makes sure John understands this one more time. He says, I died. <laughs> like he didn't just go to sleep. You know, there's those rumors sometimes where Jesus wasn't really dead. He was asleep. Yeah, and he was half, he was half dead, beaten, wounds in his hands and feet. But somehow he like pushed the stone away, overcame two or three or more legion garrison of Roman guards. Like, no, my friends, Jesus was saying, I was dead. Like I wasn't asleep. I died and I died all the way. You can't, he's not getting any deader, right? That was a quote from Emperor's New Groove. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I died. But look, there he is again. Look now, look. I am alive forever and ever because this victory is permanent. I'm alive and no one's going to take me down. I have won the victory and I will stand in this victory throughout eternity. There's no more battles to be fought. I've already fought it. I've already won them all. Amen. I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and the grave. I hold the keys of death and the grave. 
Hallelujah. You know, there's some conversation. Did Jesus have physical keys in his hands? I don't know. But keys represent authority and access. Please write that down. Whether there was a set of keys somewhere in eternity and he went and grabbed them off some, you know, peg in hell. <laughs> I got them. I don't know. But I do know this. That the reality is that these keys and the reason he was showing them to John, he was describing these keys as he was saying, I have the authority and I have the access. No one can open doors for you like I can open doors for you. By the way, I can also get you off this island. Which if you go through church history, you realize John actually did get off that island. This is the picture that Jesus gave to John to encourage him in that moment. And I wanted to give this picture to you too. Stephen, would you come up here and help me with an illustration just for a second? All you're going to do is stand still and look good. Can you do that? You're like, yes, I can. I can do one of the two, he says. I can do one of the two. I wanted you to see this because let's say you're going to work. Help you with a jagger there. there you go. Turn this way. This is just the picture I wanted you to see today. I really believe this was an image for you from the Lord. It's just this picture, okay? Jesus' right hand on your shoulder, and he's got keys in his hand saying, I have all authority, all power, and authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. And I have the access. And I can let you out of every prison, every prison of addiction that you might be in. I can get you out. When you say it's hopeless, I can't stop these drugs. I can't stop this alcoholism. I can't stop this pornography. I can't stop the anger and the rage. I keep blowing up. I, I keep losing my temper and hurting the people I love. And I can't stop. Jesus is trying to remind you like John the, like John the Apostle on that island saying, look, you're not alone. And I want to bring encouragement into you today that I'm standing with you. The alive and present God and Savior. And I have the keys of authority and access. And I can open prison doors. I can take off chains. And I can even open doors that the devil tries to shut in front of you because he doesn't want you to succeed and prosper. It doesn't matter because I hold the keys. I hold the keys that will prosper you and make a way where there was no way. But also, you don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of the grave because I've opened the door into life eternal, into relationship with me eternal. And so even when the greatest enemy that you may face in this world, because your greatest enemy really isn't lack or people's opinion about you or people turning you know, their back on you. Our greatest enemy is death, right? Like that's, that's the big one. And Jesus is saying, look, I've already defeated death and I took away the keys. Amen. You don't have to be afraid of that enemy and you don't have to be afraid of any other enemy. I am alive. I am present. And this is how we encourage John. And this is how I believe I'm supposed to encourage you today. May you feel the alive and present Savior with you, with you in your marriage, with you in your finances, with you in your physical health journey, with you as you go back to work, with you. And he has all power and authority has been given unto him. Could you celebrate that today? Thank you, Stephen. I just want to talk about the resurrection just for a minute and just bring a little light to something that you may not have thought about before. No one up to Jesus 
has ever gone through death and come back to tell about it. You do see some individuals raised from the dead in the Bible, in the Old Testament, but also in Jesus where he raised the widow's son and he raised, what Jesus did was different than what you saw him do in raising the widow's son or in Lazarus's being raised from the dead. If this podium is a timeline and Lazarus were to die here or the widow's son was to die here, they were raised back into this timeline. They were raised back here in this life. But when Jesus died, he actually passed through death and came out on the other side of death and came and presented himself as victorious over death. Can you see the difference in that? No one had ever seen that, no one had ever done that, and that's why his testimony is so powerful. Because in this side, these individuals still died and they went and were buried and they stayed dead. Jesus' resurrection was different because he didn't come back on this side of death. He actually went through the whole process of death. Are you hearing me, church? And he came back victorious from the other side of it. That's powerful. That's the difference because Lazarus didn't have the same authority that Jesus had. The widow's son didn't have the same authority Jesus had because they came back to this timeline. They came back to this reality. They came back to this side of death. Jesus actually went through it and came out victorious on the other side of it. Somebody celebrate that and showed his victory being the one that has overcome death, conquered death, hell, and the grave. This is our alive and present savior. Let me talk to you about the alive part. We are not believing in a lifeless religion or practicing a way of beliefs. We follow a living person, God in the flesh, who lives, speaks, and engages in our lives. He is risen. Alive and present, let's talk about present. The Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 46, verse one says, God is your ever present help. Say ever present. God is your ever-present help in time of need. Now in Jesus, we can see God. It's not just this mysterious God up in the sky, but we see God in the flesh. We see how he interacts with people. We see how he cares for their need. We see how interested he is in the lives that were bound and oppressed by demonic influence, people who were needing resource because they were poor in this world. And we saw the heart of God and Jesus taking care of the poor. We saw the way Jesus interacted with the prostitute and how he gave her grace when she deserved judgment. We can see God in Jesus. I love that. He, it's, Jesus is God put on flesh. And so when we say God is your ever present help, now we can see God in Jesus and we can see and behold him and see what that means. How he would interact when I have a time of need. If I'm in sin like the prostitute, if I need financial help or resource and there's money out of a fish's mouth or a boat breaking catch a fish or I'm sick and I have leprosy and Jesus comes in and says, I am willing, behold. Now this God up there has a face and a physical body and we can behold and see him and know him and understand him. And so now when we read that scripture in the Old Testament that says your God is an ever present help in time of need, we can see him in Jesus and how he wants to be present, how he wants to and can be help in our time of need. 
Why does it say ever? He's ever present. He's ever because he cannot die again. He has no ending. Please write that in your notes. He is your ever present help. That's why it's so important you realize that he died once and he'll never die again. You know, the high priests throughout the Old Testament, they would come and go because they would lead for their time and then inevitably they would die and a different high priest would have to come. And you didn't know if you were going to get a good one or a bad one. Were you, were you going to get a faithful high priest or were you going to get a corrupt high priest? Your God has died once and he's been resurrected, never to die again. I love that. He's not going anywhere. There's not another God coming after him. You never have to wonder, once I put my confidence in him, is he going to leave and I have to find someone else? He is your permanent, ever-present help. He is going nowhere. He is eternally alive. Present. Why present? Because he's not just up in heaven sitting on the throne, although he does sit at God's right hand. He is present because in his Holy Spirit, he has shed and poured out his Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our lives. And now he walks with us, he fills us, he is present. Though he sits on the throne next to God's right hand, and again, that throne is like these keys. That throne is like these keys. It designates his authority, his ability that he then brings into your life. It's not just an authority and an illustration that he has power. He is saying, I have power that I have the ability to then help you with whatever's going on in your life, even the enemy of death. So yes, Jesus seated at the right hand of God, but in the Holy Spirit, he is your ever present help. Everywhere at all times, behind closed doors, when you're crying in your room because of what's going on in your family and you just needed some peace and you needed to get away, your God is your ever-present help and he enters that room, that space with you. Or he's ever-present with you when you go to the boardroom at your workplace and there's problems in your business that you don't know how to solve and all these lives and all these employees are looking for answers or they need you to solve this and you're like, I don't know how to do this. But you know what? Your God is ever-present and he can give you the ideas and the solution and the plan to turn everything around. Because he's not just here to help you get to heaven. He's your ever-present help in time of need and that's your moment of need. Amen. He's your ever present and then help. And we know he's able to help us because he's been proven victorious over all of our enemies, including the greatest, which is death, which he swallowed up in victory. Acts chapter four, verse 29 through 30 and 33. The apostles were experiencing great persecution. And in that great persecution, they prayed. They were experiencing great trouble as well. They prayed and said, now, Lord, look at their threats. Grant to your servants with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through your name in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles gave their witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Why was there great power given in response to their prayer. There was great power given as witness of that resurrection because Jesus is alive. 
Think about what they said. They said great power was given to confirm that resurrection. Well, where did the power come from? From the resurrected king. The reason great power backed up the preaching of the resurrection is because the one they were preaching about is resurrected. Like that seems really simple. It is really simple, but it's really powerful. Why was there great power backing them up, encouraging them and bringing them through that trouble and persecution because that great power is real and he's alive. He's not dead, he's present. And he heard their prayers and he said, I'm here with you in reality, in reality, your message is truth. And let me be present and let me bring my authority of which I purchased with my blood and in my victory, let me bring it and support you. The reason great power was given. I'm just, I, you say, Pastor Kevin, you're repeating yourself. I know I am because I don't feel like you're getting this. And I'm a teacher first before I'm a preacher. And it's important to me that you remember this. The reason great power was made available as they preached the resurrection is because the resurrection was a real God and savior coming alive and then standing with those disciples, backing up that word about the resurrection. That's why power was made available. Power to do what? To heal, to deliver, to confirm that word. Because a real Jesus was going with them in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What would it look like today when you leave? If you didn't go out of here just thinking about Jesus as a good idea or concept or religion or philosophy, what if you left today with this sense, you know what? The real risen, resurrected God and Savior is walking out that door with me. And he's walking out with the keys of authority and access, dominion, and he'll always be with me because he's, he's not going anywhere. He's never gonna die again. And he puts his hand on your shoulder and says, let me walk with you into your home right now. Let me walk with you into whatever it is you're facing. You don't just believe in something. It's not, you're not just believing in a religion. This is a genuine relationship with a living God who says, I am, this is why we do this. This is why we all come together, not to prop up some theology or ideology but because we've encountered the reality of Jesus Christ, who is alive, he is not dead. And he goes with you to every place you'll set your foot. And he is victorious. There's no other God greater than him. There's no other power greater than him. You know, I even think about that moment, you'll transition from this life to the next. And I think it's beautiful in Psalms 23 where it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil. Why? Because I know that you're with me. And you wanna know who's with you? The one who walked through the valley of the shadow of death and came out the other side victorious. And he says, I, I know the way, I know the way. You don't have to be afraid. I know what's gonna happen on the other side. I know the way and I'm victorious and I will bring you through safely. So one day when you're 120 years old and you're ready to transition into glory, you never have to be afraid because even in that moment, death has already been swallowed up in victory. He is alive, amen, amen. Give him praise. He stands here today alive and present 
You may not see him, but he's there. You may not feel him, but he's there. Here's the amazing part about that. Your feelings don't have to be your reality. The word of God is the truth and is your reality. Your feelings come and go. There'll be days you feel him and there'll be days you don't. But the days you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. Come on, church. He is still your ever-present help in time of need, whether your body feels anything or not. Your body's feelings is just in your flesh. The reality of God's truth stands forever. If you receive him today, you receive the real, live, and present Lord and Savior. You're not adopting religion. You're not adopting a philosophy. You're saying yes to a living Lord and Savior. If you reject him today, you are rejecting the real, living, present Lord and Savior. You're not rejecting a church. You're not rejecting a religion. You're saying no to a real, living present Savior and Lord. And that's significant. Because sometimes we look at it like, eh, I don't, I don't want that religion. I don't want that theology. I don't want that, you know, belief system or whatever. This is about a real relationship with a real God. This isn't about opinions. This isn't about theology, about a church. This is about you saying yes to a living Lord and Savior or no to a living Lord and Savior. Simple as that. Today, if you need Jesus to be alive and present in an area of your life, I would like to say a quick word of prayer and believe God to begin to minister to you in power in that area. If, before I get into an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus, I wanted to ask you, is there anyone in the room today that you could experience, you need the risen, present Savior to show up in some area of your life? If that's you, would you raise your hand today? You need it to move from an idea or a belief. You need him to put his right hand on you like John because you're kind of terrified, maybe like John on that island. And today you came to church and again, the Lord wants you to know that he is alive and present with power and authority. And if you just need the risen Savior to show up in some area, healing, breakthrough in your finances, something with your marriage, that's today's about you too. It's not just about people receiving Jesus for the first time. It's about the body of Christ remembering he's alive and present. And if you need him to be alive and present in an area, put your hand up right now. Look at that all over the room. The Lord brought you here to remind you today, you're not just believing in an ideology theology. He is alive and he is present. And I'm gonna pray for you. and We're gonna believe that anointing and that authority is gonna set you free and meet you right where you are. Stay seated, keep your hand up. If you're by someone with their hand up, would you please just place your hand on their shoulder if they're open to it? And let's pray for them that the power of the alive and present God will show up in their life. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we thank you that Jesus is alive and you are ever-present help. And we know that you're a God who heals, you're a God who forgives, you're a God who delivers, you're a God who sets free. And Lord, right now we pray that you would be alive and present in every single one of these hands that are raised. They need a breakthrough. They need healing in their marriage. They need healing in their body. They need a financial breakthrough. They need favor in a new career. They need restoration with their children, with their parents. God, we thank you that you are more than our belief system. You are our God and you are real and alive and with us. And I pray they walk out of here knowing they don't leave alone. They don't 
don't leave just believing in some church thing, but they go with the Lord. You go with them. And God, you have your hand upon them. May they sense the reality of your hand of authority upon them, that you are with them and you will never leave them. You will never forsake them. And that God, you are for them, not against them. And you're making a way where there was no way. May they have that same assurance leaving today that they're walking with God through whatever it is they're walking in. And God, may your authority and power turn the tide and break through with your perfect will over our lives. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say a big amen. Amen. Now, finally today, if you need Jesus to be alive and present as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him today. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so today I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. You say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I've sinned. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a savior. The wages and penalty of that sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. How do I do that? How do I receive Jesus as my savior? You call on the name of the Lord. And I wanna lead you in a prayer right now to give you that opportunity today. If today with your heads bowed and eyes closed, you would say, I am not right with Jesus. I am not right with God. I have never asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and savior. We're gonna do that today. Or you may say, you know, at one time, I was doing pretty good with God. We were pretty close, but I've turned away if I'm honest. If I'm honest, my heart's grown cold. I'm disinterested, disconnected. But today I would like a restart. I would like to recommit myself. I know Jesus is real and I just need to recommit myself to him today. If that's you as well, when I count to three, just simply raise your hand. We're gonna pray. I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer right at your seat. If you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior and you want to today, when I count to three, raise your hand. Or if you'd like a restart, when I count to three, raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just put your hand up. It's all over the room. One, two, three. Go ahead, real high. Four, five, six, seven. Go ahead, put it up. Eight. Go ahead, put it up. Nine, ten. Go ahead, keep it up. Jesus sees. This is about you saying, I need a Savior. Twelve, thirteen. His hands all over the room. And my seeing it isn't what's important. The Lord sees it. And those of you watching on YouTube right now, you can go ahead and pray this prayer as well. Would you all pray this prayer after me as we receive the Lord together? Just with all your heart, pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. 
To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.